0: Welcome to Prayer in Private Parts, a podcast about sex and Jesus.
1: I'm one of your hosts, Jill Thompson. I'm a registered psychologist and sexual health educator from Calgary, Alberta, Canada.
0: And my name is Nick Coates. I'm a minister here in Calgary.
1: This podcast is open, honest, raw conversations, most likely conversations you have not heard in church.
0: But we think you probably should. Each episode, we tackle a topic about spirituality and sexuality, and we see where it goes.
1: So let's get started. So here we are at our second episode. The first episode, we sort of just talked all about why we do what we do and why we want to talk about what we not want to talk about. And today we're just going to talk about what is sex and what is the Bible. There's so many ways that we want to go with this conversation. And we don't
0: really know where we'll end up. Yeah.
1: Most of the time we end up completely away from where we want it to. But I think, yeah, just today we said, let's talk about what is sex, what is the Bible, and what do these two things have to do with each other, right?
0: Yeah, so that's what we're going to do today. So could you could you start us off, Jill, and talk about give us your definition of what do we talk about when we talk about sex?
1: For sure. So I know that last time I mentioned like sexuality is all things. Sexuality, which can include like sex, gender. You know, we talked about masturbation, birth control methods, fertility, relationships. So sex itself, I think what we're talking about is like the act of sex. Yes. Yeah. 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 So sex can be with yourself or with others and I think sometimes we think I said this in the last time that we think about sex being penis vagina and penetration and there's so much more to it sex with self is like masturbation um sex with others can be with and one other person it can be with multiple other people uh sex can be for some people and I know when we start talking about like Christian context sex for some people is just kissing and some people, it's holding hands. Um, sex can be vaginally, orally, sex with fingers, sex with mouths, and anal sex. So here we are, I think, for like 10 seconds into this <laughs> podcast.
0: Yeah, How many words yeah. have we anal. not safe for work? Yeah. But what you're saying, kind of just um, to be on the same page, there's this, when we talk about sex, there's this wide spectrum of yes. things that we're talking about. And we just need to be kind of gracious as we hold that. Because yeah. it, it is all sex, it all matters, and that's what we talk about when we talk about sex, so yeah. a broad understanding of these things.
1: Exactly. Because I think when we reduce it down to one thing between two people, we miss so much, because we miss that conversation about sex with self, sex, same-sex partnerships, we miss like all types of queer sex, polyamory, we miss so much. So that's what I'm thinking when we're talking about sex and the Bible, Um and I'm hoping that you'll be able to tell me like, where in the Bible I can find all those things.
0: <laughs> Everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely get into that, but let's let's scale back a little bit because mm-hmm. if that's what we're talking about, we talk about sex. Um, the other question is, what are we talking about when we talk about the Bible? Yeah. Because um, especially within our Christian tradition, there are so many ways of understanding what this thing is. How do we hold it? What does it mean? How do we use it? Yeah. And so we'll try to kind of acknowledge some of those things today, um, but I'll also kind of be biased and give you kind of how I hold it and how I mm-hmm. view it. For um, sure, but I'm it,
1: super biased even talking about what sex is <clears throat> because I think even when people listen to this, they're going to say, "Oh, actually, sex can also be this or be your sex doesn't include that for me, right?" And so, yeah, I think that's inherent yeah. in what we do.
0: Yeah, and those are the things we want you guys to. Tell us, like, so mm-hmm. if you hear something that can be broadened or if you have a personal experience, send us an email yeah. and and contribute to the conversation because these are conversations about sexuality and spirituality and how they intersect. Yeah. And we need as many voices as we can to make sure that we're talking to the right people.
1: Yeah. So I want you to tell me where I can find oral sex in the Bible. No, I'm not going to ask you that right <laughs> away. Just tell me about the Bible because <laughs> <laughs> I kind of define sex, but I want you to tell me, yeah, what. Does the Bible talk about sex?
0: The Bible definitely talks about sex.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I like to think about, I like to kind of hold two ways that we tend to view the Bible against each other. Mm-hmm. There's the way that the Bible kind of floated down from heavens in a Ziploc bag. And we opened it up and it was all in, the, in English and we could all understand it. And it was this, this manual for how to live and all the rules that we needed were in there. Mm-hmm. And there are lots of churches that that believe that. The other way is that someone at some point a long time ago had something to say. So they wrote something down. Yeah. And I like to view the Bible as this collection of stories from people who have felt uh, they felt they're worth telling because they conveyed something reverent and important and beautiful and true about who God is, what it means to be human, what our world is about. And we can see this evolution of our thought about who is Mm -hmm. God? What is God like? What does it mean to be human? What is our place in the world? How are we supposed to treat each other? And we see this, this collection of these really sacred stories, um, trying to figure those things out. And we we call them sacred because it's both human and divine. Mm-hmm. It's human because it's our story, We're trying to figure out our place in the world. And it's it's sacred because those stories are our stories. We're all trying to figure out what is life about? Who is God? How do we connect with God? What does that mean? And it's sacred because we experience something really magical, spiritual, special happening when we read these stories uh, we feel like God is speaking to us. Mm -hmm. That God is helping to, through these stories in some way, shape or form, helping to guide us and shape us into the kinds of people that that God is calling us to be. And so when we talk about the Bible, um, it's this collection of really beautiful, sacred stories that help us understand who God is and what our place in the world is.
1: I really like that because I think of, I mean, I want to take you a hundred different ways when you talk about that, but I think about sex being really, it can be really sacred for people. Um, And there can be a lot of ritual in it. And there's a lot of like oral tradition, no pun intended. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But right in terms of like how we pass things down culturally and how we, invite people in to like it can be sacred with ourselves it can be sacred with others um yeah and I think that that yeah I find it really unfortunate that the church doesn't talk about sex because we are all sexual beings and then we miss this huge part and we do all these I think we do so many things really well in the church and then we miss this part about the act of sex
0: yeah and I think that's why one of the things we we have this one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is because we both know that When it comes to all things, but especially spirituality, sexuality, and like the Bible, there's a way to hold it. Mm -hmm. And we want to help people. How do we, how do we hold these things? What is the the healthy life giving proper way to hold it? Mm -hmm. Um, And when it comes to the Bible, just as I'm sure as as when it comes to sex, there's a a way we're supposed to kind of hold these things and understand them. And for me, when it comes to the Bible, uh, we could hold it like some people do really tightly. Like mm-hmm. we could white knuckle it and <laughs> yes. and hold on to it. Um, but the problem with that of is we don't there's no room for God in that. We kind of squeeze all the air out of it. Yeah. And there's no breathing room. But the the ancient rabbis talk about how there are seventy faces to the Bible mm-hmm. or how it's the perfect dance partner. And it's actually supposed to be a spacious relationship. This thing we're supposed to hold loosely and lightly, which isn't to say Reverently, uh, mm-hmm. but we need to leave space for the spirit to work we need to leave space for its humanity and so we asked the questions of it instead of expecting kind of rules and facts but we asked like why did people want to tell this story what's why is this story worth telling what moved them to pass it on from generation to generation to generation yeah. what was happening in the world at that time Right. How is this story our story? How is this time like that time? How is it not like that time? And what is in this story that God is trying to point me to? And, and what wisdom is in it that I can find for my life here and now?
1: Yeah. <clears throat> that made me think about my relationship with the Bible, even, even just growing up. So I didn't grow up in the church, and I my first Bible was that little red... Gideon. Oh, what we
0: got in high school or junior high? I
1: I don't know, but you just get them for free. I have no idea how I got it, but probably my grandparents or somebody, but that was my first experience. And at the back, there was all these things you could look up for, like, if you feel anxious or if you're struggling with something, backsliding, Mm -hmm. which I never understood what that meant. But, you know, then I got into the church and my relationship with the Bible changed so much to the point where at some point I felt like people were quoting the Bible at me in a way that was almost like used against me. So then I decided to go to Bible college so that I could then quote the Bible back. And then I learned that there was, I didn't even know, I literally think I thought Jesus wrote the Bible (laughs) and like that was it. And so I didn't even know that there were all these options, all these ways to view the Bible, different writers contributing, different times, different cultures. Mm -hmm. And I just think about that in parallel with my relationship with sex and sexuality of just thinking it was one way <clears throat> and then as you grow up and experience it's not and you get all these different there's a cultural context there's other people involved yeah. there's different writers to your story and so I just thought that I know I took you totally sideways on yeah, that. But that, that,
0: that, that leads us into the intersection that we want mm-hmm. to kind of hang out in today of of because these they're huge parts of our lives as People of faith and spirituality is we're sexual yeah. beings, but we're also spiritual beings. Yeah, And for us in the Christian church, the Bible is, it's big. Mm. You know, this is this is the one thing we have that talks about God. It's the one thing we have that talks about Jesus. Yeah. And so, it matters. Um, so, as people who are both of those things, these things run up against each other. They do. And I'm sure, I know we, we both have, but I'm sure there's lots of people out there who who have had those things kind of smack up against each other mm-hmm. in really unhealthy, toxic, harmful ways. Yeah, And now they're kind of unsure how to approach both and asking and again, can one inform the other? Can I actually hold both?
1: Mm-hmm. I think I thought about that when you're talking about the white knuckling it, right? And even just, I hear so many of those stories in the work that I do, in my private practice, in the workshops I do in churches. <laughs> And even in my own life, just like, okay, I get this one message and then I hold on to it. But then the more I learn about either the Bible or sexuality and humanity, I had to let some things go and some things didn't make sense. And sometimes that's so frustrating because it's nicer when things are black and white because the grade's really hard. But yeah, I think we've done a lot more like damage in terms of saying that these two things aren't connected. And I really had to hunt for it. I think when I'm, was growing up yeah. and talking about sex, I, I really had to hunt for those conversations.
0: Yeah, and I think that's why I'm so excited to do this episode. Is because I think a lot of us have those questions. Mm-hmm. Like I remember entering into the church in my teens, and the Bible being this like thing that I'm, I have to read now. Yeah, uh, I, I'm sure I read it before, but not not for devotional purposes. Mm-hmm. I'm not with the same kind of mandate. And I remember reading. Like it's, it's funny to me now, but at the point at that point it was it was hard of like oh you need to be circumcised to be God's people right I'm like oh shit like is that something that like that matters yeah and then like I remember like does do all men have to be circumcised to get into the church is that something we still have to do now that's gonna hurt
1: I had never even thought obviously for me being a cis woman that's not a thought that I had. Um, yeah, and I love that you brought that up because I've actually had clients talk to me about that and I've had people from queer community and cis folks say that that was a really big subject for them. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Yeah, your- a lot
0: of men I've talked to have had the same kind of mm-hmm. questions. I remember getting a copy of the teen's devotional Bible for couples.
1: For couples? A yeah. teen?
0: A teen devotional Bible for couples. I think a friend gave it to me when I entered into like my first Christian relationship. Yeah, you air quote You need to see my air quotes <laughs> yes. with that.
1: Uh,
0: and, it, and there were so many, like, big parts about sex mm-hmm. in it. Like, this is what sex is, and the, it takes three to tango, so make sure you put your Bible between you two when you're alone. Right. Um, and all these things shape and form us mm-hmm. um, and linger with us. And now, 20 years later, even having removed myself from that kind of Christian culture, um, they still stick with me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and I think there's a lot of people out there who need to know how to engage both, and what do we do with the parts of the Bible that actually talk about sex?
1: Yeah. You know what's really interesting? <clears throat> people treat me differently when I wear a wedding ring, like if I wear my, a ring huh. on my wedding finger, and when I do workshops in churches, and people make a lot of assumptions about me based on that, and I, I think that, yeah, I was just thinking about that and how all these things we carry with us and how we give each other permission to talk mm-hmm. about things like circumcision or not. And, yeah, we're all carrying all this baggage, but then we never talk about it. And,
0: and then yeah. we need to talk about where it comes from, too. Because even mm-hmm. last week at church, we did a baptism. Yeah. Um, and they're beautiful. Awesome. They're always so much fun to do. I love doing baptisms. Uh, but so many comments from people, I'm like, oh, like, you look so so good with the baby in your arm. When are you <laughs> and Don going to have a baby? That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the way it goes, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's this... Very explicit assumption that, like,
1: mm-hmm. you get
0: married, you have kids, and that's that's where it, how it works. And they trace that all the way back, they think, to this is what the Bible says. Yes. And so this is how it works. Yeah. And that's the model for our relationships and how to do life. And it's, it's so important to, like, well, let's, actually, let's go back there and talk about that. Because does it actually say that?
1: Oh, my gosh. Let's do it. Go. All right. So <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> and go. Educate me. I just picked up my coffee so then. That- I can listen, sit back. Um, because yeah, not growing up in the church, I think I feel so ill informed. I but I still have all these messages about like what the Bible says about sex. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't say anything about sex and I I know there's lots
0: in there about sex.
1: I know there's Song of Solomon, which is great.
0: And you know, let's start there because this is and by no means am I a Bible expert. Um, But I I do spend a lot of time with it. And for me, in the past few years, the Bible has become more and more important the looser I hold it. Mm. Uh, But songs of songs. Uh, It's it's in the Bible. It's a part of the Bible. Um, Look it up. Um, A lot of people call it the invisible book. Yeah, Because we don't like to acknowledge its existence.
1: Just like sex in the church. I know, amazing, it's weird. (laughs) You get married and have kids. We don't talk about how that happens. No, and
0: we don't tell you how to do it. It's just, you'll you'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we'll just read a few lines from it. So I just went through and picked out some of my favorites. Um, (laughs) Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle that browses among the lilies. And I said, I will climb to the palm tree and I'll take hold of its fruits. May your breasts be like clusters of grapes and the fragrance of your breath like apricots. Come my love, let's go early to the vineyards. Let's see if the vine has budded, if the blossom has opened, if the pomegranates are in bloom and there I will give you my love.
1: I'd never hear that read it. Um, weddings. What would you in do churches? if you go to
0: church and like hear what the Spirit, you know, today's Bible reading is from the Song of Songs?
1: Yeah, I think. You know
0: what the Spirit is saying to the church?
1: Oh my goodness, it'd be so amazing because mostly you kind of just like get into a trance when those are read, but I think it would snap me right out and I'd be like, what did you say about my fruit? <laughs> Can I have a, ask you a question? Is it gendered? Because it's Hebrew, right? That it's I don't know. In? Oh, I just had a curious thought about that in terms of it's definitely from the male perspective okay
0: um so it is a male talking <laughs> to a female but I don't, I don't know if the words are actually gendered mm-hmm. that would be something very cool mm-hmm. to talk about uh but the the song is not it's essentially erotic poetry
1: it is it's great
0: um uh, and it's it's really beautiful like please spend some time with it um and definitely grab a commentary and read along because it's like it's blatantly about sex like i'll see if Divine has budded if the blossom has opened
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: and it's we don't expect to see this in there no uh, but yeah so the song of songs it talks about sex um
1: part of me gets curious too at what point um did the christian church ever have this as part of their readings or part of their liturgy or and at what point did it go away if it
0: was that's a great question if anyone knows the answer to that
1: email us email us <laughs> Yeah. See, we're just having these conversations that we, this is how our conversations go and how my brain goes, because I want to know these things. And sometimes it's so much easier just to say like, no, nope, the Bible doesn't say anything. Yeah.
0: And, and, and it's sometimes it doesn't say things um, explicitly always, but it, sex is part of the story. Mm-hmm. So you have stories like Lot and his daughters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so Sodom and Gomorrah happens. That's a whole other story.
1: We'll do that in another episode.
0: Uh, but they, Lot and his daughters leave because God's bringing hellfire down on this this town mm-hmm. of Sodom. Um, And they get to the hillside and Lot's daughters realize like, oh, Lot's the only guy yes. around. Which isn't true because only Sodom is destroyed. So there's men out there.
1: Yeah.
0: But they think Lot's, you know, is the only guy around. So they get him drunk and they have sex with him. Right, and so that they can have babies and be supported in their life, like lots of sex going on there, and all kinds Mm -hmm. of forms. You have Noah and his sons, and so after they land, Noah gets drunk, and his sons see him naked, Mm -hmm. and there's lots of kind of shame incidences around that, a masculinity about what happens when men see other men naked. Um, There's a whole. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating story, and Shem is the guy who gets shamed and kind of blamed for mm. seeing his dad naked. And the descendants of Shem are Sidon, and amongst the Jewish people, the Sidonians are like the kind of like the Samaritans, or the like the others. Yeah, and that shaming and othering and distancing gets tied all the way back to Noah and Shem, and Shem being kind of the scapegoat of the guy who saw his dad naked.
1: Wow. Which is so interesting, because in the garden, everyone's naked. Yeah. And then, yeah. I'm like, you're going to go there next.
0: <laughs> we can, but, but keep
1: going. No, I just think about that. And sometimes when I imagine that, yeah, I, I like, I'm, I'm just trying to remember the story and what is standing out for me. But yeah, there's this sense of shame all of a sudden. And that's not how it was created to be. Right. And that's my understanding.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I think that that's, it's, that's a, a hard story to dive into, but a really mm-hmm. crucial foundational story to dive into because it, it says so much about original blessing and creational intent and inherent worth and dignity. Um, and what happened when that apple, that fruit got eaten? Yeah. And what is that shame connected to? And, and the authors talk about nakedness. Uh, And Yeah, I think there's lots there about our bodies and how we view them and how we view each other Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: clothing and what that's meant to hide. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's lots we could explore there. But I think the takeaway for that is, you know, God calls all of that good. Mm
1: -hmm. That
0: we in our nakedness, in our, our raw humanity, so not necessarily literally naked. Yeah. But that for sure that, but also in our sexuality, and our gender, in ourselves, like God calls it good. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, calls it very good. Mm-hmm. And it's, if God's calling it very good, then therefore, you know, it's, it's, it's worthy, it's normal, it's beautiful. It's something we need to learn, affirm, and respect.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that really, for me, gets at, you know, what is it within us when we talk about sex that, that we really need to see? Yeah. And that inherent worth and image of God and that you are a person that God called very good. And that needs to treat how I shape, how I treat.
1: you. Yeah. In all aspects. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think we can talk a lot about that, but
1: mm-hmm.
0: like there's that one with stuff. There's Deuteronomy 23 verse one. Um, and this we'll get there. But, okay. uh, this one is uh, no man with Crushed testicles shall shall enter the kingdom of God.
1: I have never heard that.
0: <laughs> yeah, So all of us with crushed testicles. Uh, but this this is a cool one because this talks, this makes that eunuch story in Acts mm-hmm. about Philip, the disciple, running up to the carriage and meeting a eunuch. Mm-hmm. This is what makes that so powerful because a eunuch gets baptized and mm-hmm. enters into the kingdom.
1: Right. His
0: penis doesn't get reconstructed. yes. Like he as he is enters into the kingdom of God. Yeah, and so we can see some really cool stories about sex going on underneath the surface here of the scripture stated that no he's he's not allowed in he's out mm-hmm. and then we have just a reversal of that mm-hmm. and this this reclamation of like no that I don't want to call it sexuality or but that you as a eunuch are, are worthy and good just as you are yeah. And we can riff off of that with all kinds of different sexual deformities and diseases and preferences. And it just
1: yeah.
0: opens up that subject <laughs> to be like, no, it's not a bad thing. This, is, mm-hmm. this
1: isn't this like, is an either all
0: or. Are welcome. All are welcome. Mm-hmm. Like well, however you act and, and are.
1: It's interesting because so far most of the stories, I mean, apart. I know you and I want to do a whole episode on like gender identity. Um, and so we're probably going to end up talking about, that very thing, but most of those you're talking about, like, men, and most of the messages I hear now are towards women. Yes. And so, how, tell me, do you have any more verses about, like, that are directed to women?
0: Yes and no. The the, 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 I'm sure there are. Yeah. Uh, But the ones that I'm familiar with that involve women, uh, they're mostly negative. Um, It's all based around rape, around being owned and property, mm-hmm.
1: um,
0: the one that comes to mind that actually is kind of life-giving is Mary. Mm.
1: Um,
0: and the story we know of Mary is, you know, God came to her and said, I want to do this amazing thing through you. Yeah. I want you to birth Jesus and um, birth my son into this world and be a part of this really amazing, subversive, transformational revolution that's about to take place in the world. And if you look at the text, God is actually actually asking permission. Right. And Mary, Mary is such a badass uh, because she knows what she's getting into. She knows this has political consequences. She knows how this has spiritual consequences. Mm-hmm. And Mary gives consent. And so I think Mary is this for women is this really powerful symbol of um, self respect and worth and consent. And she owns her spirituality and sexuality. And there's all kinds of midrashes that talk about how uh, the angels went to a bunch of different women. In the town, looking for someone who had that right. that respect for themselves, because that's the kind of person that God wanted to work with, this person that gave consent, that owned who they were, and had the strength to kind of do that.
1: And a midrash is.
0: A midrash is, thank <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, they'd be. Uh,
1: like Jewish commentary. Jewish
0: commentaries on on Bible stories. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which I love. Um, which of,
0: are, are often like completely other stories. Yeah. And so a lot of the, like the, there's a really amazing book. um, Everyone should read it called the five books of Miriam. Mm -hmm. And it's a feminine commentary on the Torah. And so they're all kind of non-canonical or non-Bible stories, but these stories that are part of the the tradition that didn't make it into the Bible. And they're all female based, all female led, all beautiful and empowering. And it's really changed how I look at the Bible. It's a fantastic book.
1: That sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that just brings me thinking about where we land now when we talk about sex and the Bible. And we have so many messages and I would say the majority of them are to women and to women about their purity and purity meaning virginity, which is a social construct, meaning that we've somehow constructed this. So that's why I find that interesting so far. Like these are about men and that yet that now it's this idea that if women like women's worth is in the social construct of virginity which isn't even a thing and so Can you
0: tell us more about hmm. that cuz we often think virginity is this biblical kind of thing but can yeah. you unpack that for us a bit?
1: Yeah, and I think we're going to do a whole thing on like virginity and purity um because it's so much but even just to kind of touch on it social construct is something that like we is an idea that we build socially, right? And so we do this with so many ways. I mean, I like to say when I'm teaching about this at, in universities that if I were to apparate into a room, do you watch Harry Potter? I do. Okay. So harry I to, Potter uh, apparate into, so I say in the classroom, if I were to apparate in this room, what information? Like, how would I know this is a classroom? Right? Because you're looking for information, and so we build these ideas socially um, and. I'd say that gender is a mm. one of isn't that another? yeah. If you analogy, around, right? <laughs> like, Oh, there's a chalkboard, there's chairs, there's, yeah, yeah, I must be in a classroom. Yeah. And so we do this about gender and we do this. And I think about purity and virginity, um, virginity being when somebody hasn't had sex. Now, if we go back to the beginning of this podcast, when I define sex, there's a lot of different ways we define that. Um, and so then I think we kind of reduce it down to just a female's vulva or vagina. And so on the outside of the opening of the vulva, there's a membrane. And that's the idea is that if that membrane is still intact, it's called the hymen, then we say that that person's a virgin. But actually, the hymen can move aside for many different reasons. As a woman like goes through puberty, sometimes the first time they insert a tampon, sometimes the first time they masturbate, right? And so... Or even riding a horse. I have heard many stories of people riding horse or riding a bike that actually like move their hymen to the side. And so, therefore, if we put all this idea of somebody's worth and their humanity into that, we lose so much, right? And I don't even know if that is in the Bible. I don't know if you know that. Maybe we can look that up at some other point. But you think
0: that we should we should bring that up when we have that episode mm-hmm. on that because there there's yeah. a lot going on. We don't have time for that today, but there's so much in there for (laughs) sure.
1: But so I even think, just thinking about like the messages to what I hear now about sex and whether it's allowed or not, most of the messages are directed towards women. So I find that most interesting that you're talking mostly about messages to men.
0: Yeah. And I I would love to, there are a lot of really good books on the Bible and sex. Mm -hmm. I'd love to go check those out to see if, what are the other, the other messages in there? Mm -hmm. Because I think most of them are either to the men of like, do what you want. Into right. the women of fitness box, your property. Yeah. Um, and there's a huge gulf between those two things. Yeah. And that's, that is no doubt responsible for a lot of the harmful toxic messaging mm-hmm. that we've gotten because we go to look at the Bible and we're looking for permission and we're looking for edification and guidance. And it's just, you are worthy of being raped. You are property. You are, this is your role. Men go do what you want. Right. And that's, that's really hard to navigate and hold. I and mean, then what do we do with that?
1: Yeah. And absolutely. We don't think about, so my opinion, and maybe you can maybe agree, maybe you challenge it, but is that we, when we read the Bible, we read it in a cultural context, both of the one that it, the Bible was in, but also in ours and then our own traditions, our own family, our own values come into that. And so I think that, yeah, when you reduce it down to what you just said is really dangerous.
0: Yeah. I think that's why when we, when we, that's part of holding it loosely mm-hmm. is being able to ask those questions like, well, who wrote this? Yeah. Why did they write it this way? What was their agenda? What else was in the room?
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. uh, someone wrote it. It didn't fall from the sky in a Ziploc bag. It Someone actually wrote it. And we need to know what else was going on within them so we can properly understand it. And then hear through all that, you know, what's what's the wisdom still here? What is going on? And underneath that, we have to understand that even Jesus himself threw out parts of the Bible. Like every time he said, like you've heard it said, but I tell you this, right. he was critiquing scripture. Mm-hmm. He was throwing out scriptural traditions. And so we need to, it's funny because you hear the eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth thing. And that's still very much a part of our justice system. That's a part of how we act. Um, and Jesus threw it out. And Jesus critiqued huge parts of the Bible. Um, and even in his actions, if he wasn't doing literally, um, you know, Jesus was a feminist. He had female disciples.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, the very act of the incarnation was this really scandalous thing that Jesus was, was doing where he flipped the notion of what masculinity looks like on his head. And like, no, you're equals. You can be family. You can be one. And so, Jesus was affirming women's equality and their worth, you know, by speaking to them and healing them. He was saying it's good to be a woman, mm-hmm. and so, by doing that, like, there are huge pages of the Bible being just like, nope, 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 and trying to get us to that ultimate commandment of, God, it's about love. It's about seeing that image of God within us, and if you honor that, if you're humanizing, if you're uplifting, if you're edifying, if you're respecting, if you're dignifying, that's what it's about.
1: And I would say very much that sex with yourself and with others should be those things, too. So say that, say all those words that you just said.
0: Yeah, I think like it, sex needs to be, for me, like good sex or holy sex, if mm-hmm. we can call it that, if we want to kind of go down that road. If we ask what is, what kind of sex is God wanting us to have? If God is pro-sex, mm-hmm. which I think the Bible says God is. God made us this way, so clearly it's good. If God is pro sex and the kind of sex that God wants us to have based off of Christ and the character of God and the Trinity, you know, a sex that's edifying, that's humanizing, that's respectful, that sees the dignity and inherent worth of personhood in the self and the other. Um, and it's not destructive or demeaning or abusive.
1: Right. And
0: And it's not one side, it's not taking, it's this, Mm -hmm. this, this shared experience.
1: Oh, that's lovely. I like that idea. In terms of thinking about sexuality and biblical or holy sex, you talked about, um.
0: And I want to make a difference there because we, we do talk a lot about biblical sex. Right. And for me, if I, as I read the Bible, biblical sex is rape, abuse, ownership. Like it's, it's only bad things. And then you get Song of Songs and that kind of like, wait a minute, what's going on with that one? And I think what we see there is the reminder that no, sex is good. But it also needs to be sex that humanizes, that uplifts, that affirms and takes us back to those principles that Jesus and that Genesis story talk about. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of laugh at holy sex, but I think holy sex as other, that's different, that's special. That's a much more helpful term than biblical sex.
1: Well, and I think you we laugh because, you know, when I say that about social constructs, we've done this with the word holy too, mm-hmm. like, oh, this is so holy and sacred, and we've changed the meaning of those words. And so I love what you just said about the difference between biblical sex and holy sex. I love that definition. And I thought about when you're talking about holding things loosely, one of the things I talk about in my practice and in groups is, you know, when you're, if you imagine holding play-doh in your hand and sometimes what we do i, I talk about this for like anger or for our grief and loss and we just like pretend it's not there and we squeeze it and we squeeze it i talk about shit coming out sideways <laughs> and i think that's what we do when we hold things so tightly and that white knuckling it and i think when we do that with the bible and with ideas about sex shit comes out sideways and so <laughs> what i's, what i've seen in the church is these strong messages that are very black and white that people hold on to but then most of it's gray and then we don't have the answers and then we ostracize people. So one of the things I like to say, I like to question is, you know, there's this idea of don't have sex before marriage. What happens when somebody does? Let's say, let's say that's the black and white, white knuckle rule. What happens if somebody does? What do we do with that person? And most of my experience has been shaming the person, outing them literally out of the church, um and that shame and so that's that's shit coming out sideways I think so yeah I think so too when we're holding so tightly to something that we actually don't allow other people in or we don't yeah and I don't don't know if that's church to me
0: yeah yeah and I think within that you know if if you're out there and you're listening to this and and you do think sex is only for marriage cool Mm -hmm. great if you've researched that and that's your informed decision and that's special to you, amazing, beautiful, go with that. Yes. But I think we're all responsible for doing the the hard work of doing the research and getting the information of why is that a thing? And is there room for other takes? Absolutely. And can we have some room for others and their definitions? And we don't have to agree. Yes. But we do have to respect and get along. Yeah. And I think when we look at the Bible, it says all kinds of things about everything. And there's not just one road and we need to get a bit theological on it and ask what, what are the values and principles of God? What would Jesus teach us? What what can we learn from his example? And those things that we kind of have to do a bit of work and sweat for need to kind of inform that road we take.
1: I totally agree. And I think about consent and I think about sex and people consenting to sex and it, part of consent is being informed about your decision. So how am I feeling going into this? Do I know all my options? Do I know what this means for me? Do I know if like, I'm gonna, I'm thinking about sex with other people, but like, am I gonna, does this mean we're in a relationship? Does this mean that I'm sleeping here tonight? And when I know what I'm going into and it's an informed decision, and I totally agree. I think that people can have those values of Mm -hmm. the, the church that we talk about and sometimes it sounds like maybe we're talking a bit against, but it's not that. It's just this more of like, I want to see it informed. And our decisions shouldn't out people or hurt people. It should bring people in. I I think
0: yeah. so much. Yeah. And I think if as we are in those situations, uh the Bible's not going to help us out. Um, in the sense that let's turn to Leviticus, whatever. And like, (laughs) oh, there's like, oh, if you go on a date and you're at their house having a drink, what do I do? It's not really going to be in there.
1: Well, it's date three. You have to go to Deuteronomy for that. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, But I think it can, if we read it well and we spend time with it, Mm -hmm. it can teach us that I'm a person. God loves me. I have a say and a voice. Uh, And if I don't want to be here, the Bible teaches me I don't have to do this. Yes. Even if you're a man and even if there's some weird power dynamic going on, I can actually stand up for myself and say, it's been nice. I got to go because right. I'm going to love myself and see the image of God within me. And the Bible teaches us those things. Yeah. Um, and we can learn to read it in that sense where we can see the, the arcs and the undercurrents of, of those really beautiful and powerful teachings that that shape how we can understand sex in a different way.
1: What I get really excited about thinking about more conversations that we're going to have is our very different experiences, right? Because I like that you acknowledge the inherent power that you have being a man in the room, especially if you're doing things in a hetero same or opposite gender um, experiences. Because a lot of my experiences were feeling like I don't have a voice because of those messages from the Bible of me being worthless as a female, And me being property and me being especially so much of my worth being in my virginity and sexuality that once that has been whatever the words were used, damaged or destroyed, that then I'm worthless. And so I can say no. That was my, and I I was not informed enough to say, actually, my worth is so much more. Yeah, it's not tied to that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah. And I think, you know, we're going to have a separate episode on sin. Mm. But I think that's, like, that's such a, a loaded word that, oh, I'm sinful, so I'm already broken, so. Absolutely. Why not? But let's talk about within that, like, oh, what about grace and love and redemption and restoration? Like, how do how do those things counter that? Yeah. Because it seems to me Jesus talked a lot about that, and that's kind of what he was about.
1: Yeah. Ooh, I'm excited to talk about sexual sin because I have a lot to say about that. And... A whole other episode. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh,
0: but I think. You know, as, as a sexual health educator, but also a Christian, as we kind of wind towards the end,
1: mm-hmm.
0: would there be a, a bit of wisdom or teaching that you'd want to give to us to chew on as we try to, how do I, as a Christian, enter into sexuality and relationships? Um, how can I do that well and still be a practicing Christian who reads the Bible and takes it seriously?
1: Yes. Yes. That's a big question.
0: They didn't really know what I was asking. (laughs) I was like, oh,
1: no, no, this is good. I think that I can kind of really touch back on a lot of things I said about not holding things tightly, being informed, and also just pushing back and asking questions. So for me, in my experience, a lot of that was challenging that norm, um, the church norm, and finding my people. So I think that was for me finding my community. So I don't know. I think it's it's a... uh, a combination of doing your own personal work and doing that biblical work, but I think that you can be a healthy person and a whole person and have healthy sex and great sex and informed consent and ongoing consent and sexy, sexy sex as a Christian. I really do. Yeah, I'll leave it. You heard it
0: here first. We can have sexy, sexy, sex. sexy, sexy sex. Um, yeah, and I think that's <laughs> that, and that's something to. I think that's awesome. Thank you, because it's that that can be something that we can often think that we're not allowed to have, uh, but we as Christians, you know, God is pro sex and it's good and it can be holy. Mm-hmm. And the thing that we're that I would say the thing we're, we're called to do is is make sure it's holy, make sure that it's consensual, make sure it's respectful, make sure it's good in the sense not good sex, but make sure it's good in that that theological sense of affirming and dignifying um and enjoy it like live into that that's that's why god gave it to us
1: i'm so excited to talk more about all these other topics that came up (laughs) in this right was original sin and uh gender and virginity and purity and yeah as you can see these are not easy topics yeah
0: so and the other thing i'll I'll leave everyone with Uh, if you are interested in going back to the scriptures especially the hebrew scriptures because those those are the ones that we're really unfamiliar with as Christians, Mm -hmm. Uh, make sure you pick up up a good commentary um, because a lot of the Bibles don't give us enough information about what these words mean and what's going on underneath it. And pick up a really good Jewish commentary that can help you unpack some of these themes. I'm going to sit with it, wrestle with it, um, and see where it takes you.
1: Amazing. Thank you.
0: Thank you. We'll talk later.
1: Sounds good. All right.
0: Hey, thank you so much for listening to Prayer and Private Parts, a podcast about sex and Jesus. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, head to soundcloud.com slash prayer and private parts for more episodes. And if you have some questions, if you have some requests, email us. You can reach me and Jillian at privateparts at gmail.com. But thanks so much for listening and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Please note that while these conversations are just conversations between us, they do not replace any serious psychological or even theological advice. And that if you find yourself triggered in one of our episodes, please know that you can find help in your area. If you don't know of any of those places that are safe for you to access in terms of a distress center or a church that's safe and affirming, we can try and help you find that and you can email us.